This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. And I'll just say before we start, mate, when we first had a chat, I thought Barry White was in here. So I, I reckon we need to insert a bit of Barry White music now when we do the intro. A bit I've in the background. Say, I don't know a Barry White song, otherwise I'll do it for you. But anyway, I'm just dancing on a thing. podcast. I'm, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> Go but for your life. I don't know about that. The first beer goes down easy. It's bubbly, it's sweet, tickles the back of your throat. The second beer, you're starting to enjoy it. You kick back, getting a bit more relaxed. But it's the third beer, Brent. It is. It's the third beer that when you hit that vibe, a certain mellowness comes over. It's a golden light nectar, I would describe. The pub turns into a very happy place, and you've hit that spot that's just right. And our third beer is a special guest each week that we get to interview and have a chat to not only about the beer, but also about life and other stuff that men don't talk about. I'm Brett McCallum. I'm Chris Dixon, and we'd like to talk about the third beer. G'day, buddy. How are you? Jeez, oh, mate. I'm feeling pretty good. Another week's passed. It has. Great day today. I won golf. You won golf? I won golf. Tell me about this. Mate, it was really good. I was focused for 16 holes. 16? 15. 15. I was 11 up with 15. I won by one. <laughs> I unfocused. You were unraveled. But just, just, just a little bit. Just enough. Just enough. I kept on, though. I, I survived. I come back at the end, and uh, I got the win. So Con- I was pretty, congratulations, pretty with that. Congratulations, Was there uh, a lot of meditative experiences on it the was, golf course? It was, mate, those 15 holes. Because yep. I normally stuff it up at the start, not the end. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so uh, what I've done this time is I've actually focused from minute one. I've also stretched a bit, which helps. And uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning, rock and roll. Congratulations. How's your week, Ben? Mate, it's been fabulous. Very, very busy. I'm looking forward to uh, to a weekend off. Actually. Nice. Yeah, so I'm uh, surfing. I'm going to catch some waves this weekend. Mate, yeah. uh, from what I hear, there's some good waves coming around as well. Mate, green moon's going to be out. It's a little uh, nice. f- five foot uh, eight little uh, twenty I've got going. Well, so hey. uh, rocking it, rocking it. Love your work, mate. This is what we've got today. Ready? You'll be pleased to hear there's no junk in punk. No preservatives, no nasties, no chemicals, and no surprises. Just good, honest beer. Beer like it should be. Beer like it can be. Fresh beer that actually <laughs> tastes of something. Back in the day, the early punks created a global shift in music with a dose of serious attitude and just four chords. Today, we've created another seismic, seismic shift with the same attitude and four ingredients, each of them natural, each of them essential. Hops, barley, yeast, and water. Four ingredients for fresher, tastier, better beer. Of course, we've punked it up a little along the way. Taste the hops, live the dream. The light golden classic has been subverted with New World hops to create a devastating explosion of flavour. Steal yourself from Kalishnikov. I don't think that's what it says. Bursts of caramel, tropical fruit, and an all-out riot of grapefruit, pineapple, and lychee before a spiky bitter finish. Holy crap. That's the longest one ever. That was long. And do you know what? It was on sale, so I reckon they've gone broke just because of the length of the uh, the thing. Anyway, today we have Brewdog Punk IPA, a postmodern classic. Oh, 5.6%. I'm excited. And I've got a tin. Hang on. I'm going to try and make it better than last week's. Oh, that was good. That was good. Oh, that was better. What do you got, guest? Oh, the guest always does it the best. Cheers, brother. Third beer. Thank you very much. 
Cheers. G'day, Master Gregory Anderson. How you doing, buddy? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, all right, it's mate. Welcome. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Let's uh, have a sip. Oh, that's different. I it's can a product al- of Scotland. I can oh. almost taste taste the lychee coming through. It's very interesting. Is that what that from. is? Mm. It's a bit of train spotting in the taste on the taste buds, isn't there? There's a little bit of everything. <laughs> mm. Yes, it's a, it's a versatile little a bit brew. of train spotting on my taste buds. I like that. He's, That's a great start Greg, to the interview. Greg's a poet. <laughs> and he knows <laughs> it. G'day, Barry. How are you today, mate? <laughs> oh, darling. <laughs> big and deep. He's a big boy. He's a big fella. Uh, we met a few years ago. He's got a very interesting journey about um, how you, you you negotiate the space of life and um, from being a, an entrepreneur to a security man to, uh, you know, uh, a part of the uh, – part of the framework of a big organisation. Uh, mate, you've been through some travels. You've got a family. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to say much more than that because I think the, the journey is going to speak for itself today. So uh, welcome and thanks very much for coming on. Oh, thank you very much and, uh, yeah, super excited. And uh, I, I did a little bit of research last night listening to some uh, some of your previous casts and uh, I'm uh, I'm excited to talk today. Excellent, mate. We're, we're so excited to have you. So the good thing about these is that one of us brings in the guest. The other one has no idea who it is. So why don't you introduce yourself to us, well, to me and our listeners? Right. Well, uh, Sydney boy at heart. Grew up in the... Uh, Go the Blues. Go the Blues. Opa. What a win. Oh, it's only as good it's, as your last series. It's it's a penalty try. I'm not sure how comfortable I do winning that way, but nevertheless, we've... It was we've, a penalty try. We've eh? come close many times, so you it won. did feel good. did feel good. Look, uh, it doesn't matter whether you win by an inch or a mile, winning's winning. So uh, Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Any, anyway, look, uh, grew up in uh, the lovely uh, suburb of San Susi. Uh, moved up here in uh, 92 with the folks as a young pup. And uh, I still don't consider myself a local, but uh, that's all right. I've uh, 92, so what are we there? 26 yeah, years this yeah, year. I think so. it's 30 years, isn't it, become local? You're close, like buddy. You're very, very close. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, and uh, went to school locally and um, done a bit of everything. Been a bit of here, been a bit of there. So I... Um, uh, graduate in uh, Bachelor of Communications at Griffith Uni. I've uh, since done several thousand other courses and um, originally started off uh, trying to get into film on the Gold Coast. So you may recall when in they the film. Did, when they did Scooby Doo and Ghost Ship and House yeah. of Wax, and then the uh, the backside fell out of it. So um, career path change. Uh, a mate said, oh, "You're a bit of a lump. Why don't you come and do security with me?" So I said, uh, "Why not?" And uh, went in Rome. I uh, did five years on the glitter strip in the end. So um, five years. Yeah, some I'm stories tri- come out of there. <laughs> We're hopefully going to explore some of those I, today. I got some red hot treats. Uh, yeah. Just just a, a few more mouthfuls of beer, and they'll uh, they'll flow freely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then uh, progressed on. Did a then a little bit of other things in security. Some uh, some canine stuff. Some uh, armor trucks, and then found myself uh, working facilities management. And then now I'm uh, back in the security game again. So. And that's me and career-wise in a nutshell. Been a bit of a journey, mate. You also have a personal you too. You've, you know, uh, got a lovely wife and a beautiful child. And uh, I do want a second on the way. Me, oh, congratulations. Me, me a week's away. So Wow. Uh, so you've got the phone on, ready to go? Oh, Every minute. Oh, no, it's not her. That's I've, I've got a bag permanently packed in the car, ready to You offer her. For me. <laughs> 
catch and kill your own in our household. But uh, <laughs> there may be a quick exit <laughs> from, uh, from the third beer today. Yeah, correct. Uh, that's beautiful, mate. I actually want to. There's a few stories I, I want to share, and I hope we go in some interesting directions today. But uh, I remember when we first met, and uh, you just you, you firstborn had just just arrived. Girl or boy? Girl. Girl. And What's her, her name? Scarlet. Scarlet. Lovely. And uh, this man, like you said last week, when you have a baby, you know, it, it's, a, it's a love you, oh. that you can't rarely describe. Uh, just to let you know, my eldest is in the back of the studio oh, today oh. and uh, she's getting a chance to listen to this. And I, mate, that was 15 years ago. It's, it's, it hasn't changed since. I think you said it was a love like no love you'll ever, ever experience oh, again. Doubt. It's, Until yeah. the second one's born and then... Oh. Oh. Pro- that, then that's way better as <laughs> she's throwing stuff at me. Sorry about that. You're pro No, but it is. It's, it's really interesting isn't it? that love you find for a child is completely different than the love you have for your wife or have for your own parents. It's just like, Yeah, you can't wow. simulate it, can you? No, not at all, mate. Not at all. You're on, you're on cloud nine for, I think, three months. It was oh, a mate. real magnificent journey that I was <laughs> privileged enough to, to walk along with. It was, wasn't it? It kind of opened you up to what love's all about. Yeah, buzzing glow. Like, uh, you know, they say women get glowing when they're pregnant. I yeah. reckon fathers are like that. Uh, the first Without three months post-birth. Yeah, yeah. So proud. And um, my little soccer ball head, who's now uh, turned into a two-year-old terrorist but uh, that's, a, that's a story for later on but yeah no uh, she's amazing and it uh it definitely gives you new inspiration to get out of bed in the morning and and uh you end up doing stuff not just for you anymore yep. do you do you find that you end up doing stuff for them yep and like everything i do in my heart and soul is all for my kids and, and obviously my wife and my family but um i think even sometimes and this is something that, that chris and i always talk about is the fact that you can sometimes go too far with that as well you've got to at times have your time. You got to you got to bring that back, and you know, I think that's one of the good things that, that Chris and I talk about a lot is actually having my time. Or like I play golf every Friday morning. Well, you won golf today. I won golf. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I reiterated yeah, I just that. Want to <laughs> no, but I think it's really interesting, isn't it? That um, you've got this thing now. You have to look after. It's, it's like bizarre. Yeah, I, I think uh, there was a lot of pressure in the beginning. Yeah, and and probably self imposed pressure. You know, it's that. Uh, Holy, holy geez, what do you do with this new life? It's depending on me and, well, of course, my wife as well. But, um, yeah, and then uh, I actually enjoy doing stuff for her. I get a kick out of making her little sandwiches and cutting them into corners and, uh, you know, taking her outside and showing her how to kick a ball. And that can't be easy with your massive sausage fingers, mate, to actually mate, hand fists to make is the appropriate <laughs> industry <hand> terminology. <laughs> Yeah, banana fingers. Are, uh, <laughs> Must be hard calling someone on your phone. <laughs> but, uh, I, I actually uh, use the end of my nose most of the time to dial the numbers. It's uh, and that's that, that that's also not a very that, small that, object. Uh, uh, mate, you know, I, I will, how I describe my first child being born is there was somebody on the planet more important than me for the first time in oh, my life. Boom. Oh, boom! Yeah. And so it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because you you wake up and one day, you know, it's all about you and the next day, wait a minute, it, it doesn't, I don't really matter anymore. It's all about this beautiful little human being that's come onto the planet. Mate, that's a hashtag truth bomb, I think, is uh, is appropriate for right. that. So. We've got, we got Instagram things happening everywhere here, like the comment, the truth bomb, bang. Boom. Like, you see this come out. It's going to be awesome. Nice <laughs> work. But, uh, mate, it's not always easy being a parent. No, and uh, being it, a husband, there's, there's certainly a lot of uh, growing in the relationship. I think in the home front as well. When um, when the child comes along, you know, there's that bond between you and your partner, and, and it's very much about the two of you and making a life together. And then suddenly, 
there's this very dis- disruptive force in, that's uh, bending your chi and uh, throwing everything out of whack, sleeping patterns, eating patterns. Uh, no more, all right, let's go uh, tight ass Tuesday to the movies and dinner. It's uh, can we plan three weeks in advance so we can get a couple of hours uh, babysat and, and go from there. But you know what, I wouldn't change it for the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and to take you a few months back before that, Beautiful high, you know, exquisite high that you're on for yeah, at least three months. Uh, when we found out that we were that you were having a baby, there's that that shock and there's that fear, and uh, you're under a lot of pressure at work, and uh, you know the relationship, and uh, all of a sudden we we're having a baby. Do you remember what that was like? Because it actually I, I yeah. do because I think I'm still trying to grow the hair back from that period. <laughs> <laughs> I water it every day; it makes uh, no I was difference. Say you're doing yeah, a great job. No, no, no. <laughs> try and make up on the bottom half of the face. Yeah. They call me upside down head at work. So, there you go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a, a time of, um, of pressure of, of um, I, sp- I suppose uh, mental stress is probably an easy way to describe it. And um, for me, the biggest fear was how do you be a father? You know, I looked at my father and, uh, and, and, and God bless him. He's an amazing man, but um, where, where do you start? It's, I think it's a path each man has to carve out on his own. Like you look to people for guidance, but it's definitely not learnt behaviour. No, <laughs> at the start anyway. It gets that later on in life, but at the start, it's something you just got to do. Exactly. But I think we don't prepare enough our younger younger fathers on um, that it's okay and you, you'll be able to manage your yeah, survive. Sure. I, I think that's what this is kind of about today. It's about the idea that yeah, I think kids think that parents have got it all together and probably always have. Yeah. And, oh, my kids don't think that because I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging on one edge. But uh, we put it together as we go, don't we? You know, you've got to you got to learn to follow the flow, learn to follow your heart, and learn to live day by day, moment by moment. You make that, shit up as it happens. Nappy <laughs> by nappy. <laughs> don't you really? You, you make shit up as it goes. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no written playbook, is there? You no. can't go in the case of uh, A. Please do B, C, D, E. Yeah. It's um, just make the best judgment call from the heart. I think and. Uh, as a security guard, as an entrepreneur, as a psychologist, this is what we do, isn't it? You know, we got to respond to the moment we're in. But you did hit a you did hit a big big brick wall, didn't you? And I remember our first our first time together. You know, is this impressive, massive guy that's actually just gone? I, I'm not sure how to move forward from this point. Yeah, crippled crippled by anxiety and panic attacks and uh, something I'd never experienced before. I sort of uh, looked at it on the, I suppose the. Um, the, the granular side on the other side going, oh, yeah, look, how real can it be? Come on, guys. You big wuss. Yeah, hard hey, up. You do that to yourself, don't you? You sit there and go, oh, come on, what do you want? Everyone else can handle this. Why can't I handle this? Until the one day it feels like you're having a heart attack and you, and you can't. And I was driving a car home from work one day and I think this was the tipping point for me. And, look, I'm a I'm an on-and-off-again smoker and um, and I thought, oh, jeez, I've, I've had too many cigarettes today. I'm struggling for breath. And then I started to shake and... I, was, I couldn't catch my breath and I'm panicking and the security mind's going, Greg, calm down, take a breath, think about it. But the body's going, boom, 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 Hands are shaking and I'm trying to drive a vehicle. So I just pulled over, got out. And I, I end up a bawling mess on the side of a road, 200, 200 clicks down the road from uh, from work. So, um, yeah, look, I, it, was, it was an interesting um, uh, paralytic feeling. I, I'd never felt that before. Um, I've been in some pretty strenuous situations and I don't know, you probably just go into flight, fight or freeze mode, but um, oh yeah, it was, uh, it was very real, very real. 
and it kind of uh, disrupt dis- disrupts uh, how you how you think and feel about yourself, doesn't it? I mean, that's what that's what a lot of people come through the office. They have these really powerful emotional moments, and then they're not quite sure who they are anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. Uh, it, it, it it shakes those foundations. So. You've had similar experience before. Oh, big time. Yeah, I've had a lot. And the, the thing is, you um, you just don't know why. You don't know why. I remember when I was 27 years old. I was in the office and the guy across from me said, you look like shit today. Yeah, thanks, champion. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, don't feel real good. A bit tight across the shoulders and, and stuff. And then um, I said, yeah, now I'm going to go home. So I rang my wife. I was living in London. I rang my wife and I said, uh, can you come pick me up? She says, yeah, what's wrong? I said, oh, just come pick me up. I got down. Hopped in the car and said, you might want to take me to the hospital. And she goes, why is that? And so I got this pain down my arm, down my left arm. And I thought I was having a heart attack. And it's like 27 years old. And like, that doesn't happen to 27 year olds. I'm, I was a little bit fit. I'd like. Um, Speaking uh, of fitness. Hey. I'm waiting for it. In a okay. <laughs> and then anyway, so I get to the hospital and I, I usually wear an armband because I'm allergic to all antibiotics. So they put you in first. And um, so I got I got taken in and and they said, oh, no, you're not having a heart attack. They, they put you on like the machines and do all that sort of stuff. It's obviously scaring the absolute shit out of you at the time. And um, so we're, we're laying there and then um, all of a sudden I hear this beep. And I'm going, I'm dead. It's all over. It's gone. And my wife is standing next to me laughing her head off and I'm sitting there going, what? I'm dead and you're laughing. What's going on there? She's going, it says replace battery on the machine. Oh, yeah, that's lovely, isn't it? Anyway, so we're there and then we find out later on I had the the sack around your heart actually gets a virus in it. It's called pericarditis, I think it's called. And uh, it's caused from stress, anxiety, all this sort of stuff. So it's a simu- like a simulated heart attack. So your body's a pretty amazing thing, but that's telling you to calm the fuck down or don't do this, don't do that, don't stress out. And like you were saying, you, you're in a panic attack on the side of the road, bawling your eyes out, right? your body just has to get it out, whether it's like that way or whether it's the heart or whatever it is. It's pretty scary shit. Scary, scary. And I, and I too have suffered panic attacks. And yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a very powerful, powerful Deliber- journey. Deliberate? No, what's the word? Debilitating. Debilitating, that's the one. Mm-hmm. It's very debilitating for such a big unit. Mate, you're not supposed to be debilitated, are you? No, it's like, mate, especially in the job you do as well. The body's shutting down. It's just uh, very foreign. Like, um, you know, I've been a, a ring fighter at one point. And practiced- oh, which I'm, I'm looking forward to that story, mate. <laughs> We're going to go there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I can relive that moment. <laughs> what sort of ring? Boxing ring? Kickboxer. Kickboxing. Yeah, yeah the big fella like me fighting at uh, ultra heavyweight. So, um, awesome. Yeah, go over yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, we uh, it's just such a foreign feeling. You know, you're used to practising uh, chokeholds back in the, the early days of security and, and feeling that, that body letting go, but this is different when it shuts down to uh, just passing out. So. You can't do anything. That, that's the thing I've, I've found. Like, oh, I've happened a couple of times. Well, you can't do anything, can well, you? Well, you can now. You've yeah, learned. Wow. There we go. We'll Sorry, go. I'll rephrase, yeah, I'll rephrase yeah. that. You feel like you can't do anything. It's just all over. It's like, what can I do now? Yeah. And then obviously – now that uh, we've been educated by the master, that you can actually then become into a meditative state. You can sort of sit there and go, oh, breathe through this, breathe through that. I reckon that's pretty cool now. But well, we're going to have a very interesting conversation because this is one of my star students right here at the other table. Thank you're, you very much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, you're yeah, talking yeah, about Greg. You were very <laughs> – very good, but I never handed you the uh, six patriarch because we we haven't quite reached that level yet. But the big fella here 
took to it like a uh, like a like a I don't know like a moth to a flame. So really? bring bring me bring us back to that time. You've just had a, a panic attack. We're feeling anxiety. We're about you know a couple of sessions in, and all of a sudden, bang! It all call all the all the all the cards line up, and it makes sense. What happened? Look, before you tell us, what were you like before? You're a blokey bloke. Blokey oh, bloke. Yeah. Are you, are you, oh, sorry, you're perceived as a blokey bloke. You're a big softy in the middle. I can of course, see that, yeah, yeah. But, but what I'm saying, though, like that stuff doesn't happen to me and all that sort of stuff. So you, you were that type of person. It's just good to get a background on that because, like, for instance, I'm I'm not a blokey bloke, but I'm my mind works at a million miles an hour and from an entrepreneurial point of view and I see things differently than most people, but – once again, that shit doesn't happen to me. Yep. It was, it's one of those. So just to get a pers- yeah, perspective around that. Throw me in that box because yeah. I, um, you know, I've been through a few bits and pieces, but that's definitely the, uh, come on, you know, you see it on TV and you yeah. people talk about it, but, yeah, you know, it doesn't really, come on, it's not real. Yeah. Yeah, so. But uh, look, going back to, um, I suppose, Chris's question about the sixth patriarch and, and where do you begin? So I, I hearken back to my young years as a uh, martial arts student of karate on the Gold Coast. We had And... Uh, under Kenka Khan, under a um, at the time Kyoshi Pat McKean, who was a, an excellent uh, excellent leader, and used to walk around with the kendo stick at the kids' class. So, are we allowed to swear on this program, by the way? Fuck yeah! <laughs> Sorry, maybe. <laughs> You, you little dorkies, your card is a shit house. And for anyone who knows Pat really? McKean, yeah, it was gold. Yeah. And, How old were you? Oh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Way to bring kids up. Yeah, exactly. With a stick and swearing at them. <laughs> Your car is a shit house. Oh, old school, old school, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember, I remember going to uh, karate one afternoon, and um, and the, the, there's police there and there's forensic vans and we've all rocked up and we've jumped off the bus from school and it's sort of in the back. It used to be in the back of Southport, and we get in there and um, he, he said, "Oh yeah, look, no class today, guys. We we got broken into." I said, what do you mean you got broken into now? Uh, Kyoshi used to sleep out the back in the little room and um, I, I heard the story and, and, and my recollection may have uh, Chinese whispered by now but we'll, we'll see how, how good it is I suppose um, but three guys broke in two left in hospital and one fled and um, I'm pretty sure he wrapped one's bat around the bloke's head um, the other guy he broke his arm and the one that got away uh, tried at him with a knife or something and come off second best but he's this little old um, I think he's a ex ex Green Beret ex Burke a, a, a Gurkha or something like that. So like yeah. a Mister Miyagi. Yeah, don't mess with him. Yeah, yeah. Don't break into his. Do not break into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why yeah, you yeah. break into a karate? I dojo. don't That's know. Bizarre, what are you thinking? You know. Yeah. Like, not like there's heaps of cash there. <laughs> no, no. So I don't, I don't know what the go was there, but um, yeah, very interesting. Anyway, so maybe they wanted a crack at the title. Well. Hey, maybe they'll come to pinch all the swords and stuff we had on the wall. We had well, a, yeah, well cool. they didn't leave with the title. <laughs> <laughs> they left with a broken arm and some concussions. So, uh, yeah, good luck next time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bring it on. But, but when we got there, he's out the back and he's he's raking this little old sand garden he's got out there. You know, little, the old um, uh, Japanese-style yeah, temple yeah. ornaments and it's got some... The rock some, gardens. Yeah. He's out there raking the sand. You know, he's just gone through this super stressful period and, and there he is just, you know... Uh, in his own little world, and oh yeah, no worries, guys, everything's okay. So, I suppose going back to the sixth patriarch, I found my I found my sand garden in that meditative state. It uh, it centered me, and um, and yeah, I don't know, just it all clicked. We used to practice a lot of meditation and stuff as a kid, but I suppose you don't fully appreciate it. Um, so when you say you practiced it, what at the at karate? At karate, okay. So it wasn't a home thing; it was no, a karate thing. Yeah, slow breathing, and you know. Mm. Um, and uh, I suppose going into that centerness and and trying to find your your, your spiritual energy and 
and uh, bring it out in your in your in your art form. So. See, and and that's why I love the work I do, and I love working with the big fellas like yourselves and and other people that are in a really kind of. Uh, distressed emotional space because it mightn't feel like it, but that's the prime moment for people to make that realization because you're so ready to get away from that feeling that you're ready to step into that other place. And then when people do, there's just this awakening look on their eye, like, my God, I haven't been there for 20 years and that's magnificent. And yeah. all those feelings just dissolve into the ground. And for me, that's the, the, the what, what am I looking for? The the mojo of doing therapy is to, to facilitate that transition. And when you did boy, Big Fella, you just kind of put it all down, put it all down. It's the only way I can describe it. So it was such an immense weight off my shoulders at that first time after going through and finding that center and, and spending some time there. And, uh, and I'm sure you probably feel the same. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's. Hang on. You just said you found the center. Found the center. Found it. The room in he's, the middle of the matrix. It's been there. Middle. Wow, that's awesome. Mm. Which is why he got the six patriots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, how has how has that uh, experience followed you over the last couple of years, mate? Yeah, or moved with it? Well, look, I'd like to think I try and incorporate that into daily living, and uh, you know, I'll be honest. At, at the times, stresses of life and work and pressures they get the better of you and it takes a really strong will to go and take that moment just to go back and, and breathe and go inside and calm down and spend some time chilling out in that space and, and looking around. And Because uh, if I remember correctly, your way of relaxing at the time was to shoot people on a video game. Call of Duty, mate. <laughs> Respect. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was my nightly ritual. Yeah, which sometimes went on to the morning. Yeah, yeah. The, wife, the wife went to, to, to bed. Your wife's displeasure. The little one's yeah, asleep yeah, yeah. and I'm in the lounge room with the headphones on yelling abuse at uh, people across the nation and, uh, and overseas. And You felt good about yourself. I did, but I think it was a, I think it was a shallow victory. It was a shallow victory. Still a victory, just like my golf <laughs> Not game. Not that there's today. anything wrong with that imbalance. <laughs> it's yes, just like your golf game. But you know, you need the those other spaces to really switch off because you can't emotionally regulate until you've got the ability to, to to actually turn your mind off. So shooting people on a screen doesn't really do it, does it? Kind of much better than shooting them in real life. Just want to throw that one out there. Agree. I, I, there's, there's, I agree. There's times for paper targets, though. I'll tell you what. Okay. <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> You've got a shooting license now. I am. I'm an avid. Uh, I'm an avid uh, firearm legal firearm owner. I'll clear that up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you um? Do you go to the range and stuff? I certainly do. I go to church. Try to go to church once a month. Yeah, it's a Sunday morning ritual with a few mates of mine that are into the uh, into the sport. And um, you shoot your guns or shoot their guns? Oh, or? we have a bit of a play with everyone. So okay. um, we all we all bring what we've got. And um, yeah, one week it might be uh, uh, small rifles, and the next week it's pistols and. And we just sort of, you know, have a bit of a play and muck around. It's it's it's, uh, it's that time in the man shed, you know. Yeah. You get a chance. It's interesting because I always wanted to shoot a gun. I'd never shot one. And oh. we're on Hamilton Island, right? And uh, up there they've got a, a, a gun shooting range. And uh, I never knew that. And so we've gone there. I got to shoot a Magnum. Ooh. And um, Magnum 44. Magnum 44. Dirty oh, I was clean. Oh, oh, yeah. But it's got like a chain on You can't do much with it. You probably can't turn it around or anything like that. But yeah, it was really bizarre because I'd never shot a gun before. And so I shot the little one and it was like, Phew! it was like, wow, that thing could really kill you. <laughs> and then I shot this big thing. Boom. It's like, whoa, you throw your backwards type thing. And it was like, wow, it was just such a, 
surreal experience. Well, that's funny. For my uh, Bucks party, well, you know, the situation I'm in, you know, yeah. currently separated. And uh, uh, for my Bucks party, it was raining on the day we planned to go to golf. So we went to a local uh, gun range down on uh, the Gold oh, Coast. Really? And I shot a 44. Yeah. yeah. yeah we had a whole bunch of 10 What did you think in. of it? Uh, did you hate it? Or did you think it was like, wow? I thought it was a bit of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it wasn't necessarily something that I could not something that you would do more. Yeah, yeah, As I'm yeah. the same, I I'm wouldn't more of go to a gun range, I wouldn't expect, but I can see how it's addictive. Though. Well, they did have two mates, uh, Matty Collins, yep. uh, Cobber, and another mate, Brogamore, who were very good shots straight off the bat. So <laughs> I, I was not so good. But what are you like on hitting the target? Yeah, look, I trust myself. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you're getting close. I love it. it. I trust myself. I love it. My my background comes from a a requirement to to carry a firearm in work, not from a law enforcement perspective, from the armoured trucks. So it was very important that you only have one clip. And I'll tell you a funny story on that in a second as well. Um, That if you're shooting the target, you need to hit the target, not what's behind it or or around it. But you've got to be conscious of that as well. So. There's some Zen focus required in that as well. Again, yeah, yeah, that ability. Breathing, breathing is the most important thing in shooting and trigger discipline. Have you ever shot anyone? No. Have you ever shot, nearly shot someone? Uh, no, not me, but I've been in the presence of another guard who um, who got pretty excited one day. And, uh, and actually shot someone? No, no, but oh, he, he okay. did draw his gun. That, I find that. I've got a lot of friends that are coppers and stuff, and I just find it really interesting. One of the questions my wife always, have you shot anyone? <laughs> and it's like, can't ask them that. It's like, oh, we're fine. Yeah, no, we haven't shot anyone. But they've used tasers and stuff like that. But, yeah, never. I, that'd be a really weird experience, I think, pulling a gun. You've got a somewhere. taser story, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it wasn't pleasant. I want to hear the gun story before the taser story. <laughs> All right, story. so we'll, we'll start when you might. And then the kickboxing. Yeah, oh, this yeah, gun, yeah, yeah. This could be a three-hour podcast. Yeah, just want yeah, to throw yeah, that yeah, in there. Yeah. But we better get the second beer. <laughs> yeah. The third um, one. So... We um we used to, I used to work at an armored truck business on the Gold Coast. I won't name its name, but um, we often used to get in uh, assistance for surge moments. Like you know, there's a big ATM run on, or there's a big um, it's Christmas time, and obviously everyone wants more cash and da 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 da. And there was a bloke there whose name shall remain nameless, but he was referred to as the OK Corral. So we all had a shared pool of resources, i.e. guns and magazines and bullets. And if he was on shift, you had to get in before him because he used to regularly carry nine magazines. Now, I can tell you hand on heart, (laughs) one time I got there, I didn't even have a bullet to put in my own magazine in my gun to go out and work for the day. He'd load it up and gone. So I went out. Did he have like a belt on or something? All he these he had this there? tactical vest with magazines hanging out <laughs> everywhere. And I had a conversation he, he, with he him. He was prepared. Interesting. <laughs> 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 I, I had a conversation with him one day and I said, mate, do you really need that many magazines? Like, let's be honest, this is just for insurance. I'm not taking any risks. I said, well, I understand that. But like, really, if you need nine mags, mate, we're, we're all toast. <laughs> You're not going to get to use nine mags, respectfully. <laughs> You're shooting at someone that's just thrown a hand grenade yeah, at you. Yeah, so. that's, that's zombie apocalypse <laughs> stuff. You know, share the love, give us a, hook us up some bullets. But, um, yeah, that, that was a, that was that funny story. But uh, what was the other one? We Taser. Taser. So Service Paradise. God bless its cotton socks. Yeah, lovely it, place during the day. It's a very chilly winter Thursday night. I am acting supervisor at the club I was working at. We had three what we referred to as Nike bikies, 
walking down the street. What's a Nike bikey? They they wear a certain brand of uh, Nike shoe called the Shocks, which okay. we actually uh, prohibited people coming in dressed in them for a while. Oh, really? It, it's it's typically associated with a with that. Oh, with a gang gangster, gangster oh, okay, kind of yeah, yeah. apparel. Um, apparel. Roy, Roy it up, big lads, and um, three of them walking down the street, and and they cross paths about fifty meters down the road with me from with a with a patrolling three police officers, two female and a male. Anyway, something's there's been some exchange and they walk past and then one of the guys must have said something to this police officer anyway. She's called him back. He didn't want to come back. So she's cornered him and asked him a question and he's mouthed off and the other one's mouthed off. So she's collared him against this um, bifold door at a closed convenience shop and pushed him into it. And she's asking him questions and giving him a, a very serious interrogation. You're watching this. I'm on the door. Yeah, I'm watching this, and I'm preempting. Getting ready just in case you got to help the cops. I'm, I'm on the I'm on the council radio, letting yeah. them know that uh, yeah things are about to kick off here. And one of the bikies fair cleaned up this woman from the side with a punch. Oh, sorry, female police officer cleaned her up. She was out. And next thing you know, it's a three on two brawl with a police officer down. One male police officer trying to restrain one guy, and these two guys are touching up this female security officer, absolutely laying into her. So I did my diligent duties. I dropped everything I had and ran over and shut the line and called for assistance and we tried to, you know, flood the work, flood the, flood the scene with guards. Anyway, I've got one bloke and we managed to get him to ground and then a couple of minutes later, police come pouring out of the station like lemmings. You know, they're all... I'm sure all, they would You're just think. deploying rapidly. So I've got this guy in what they call the crucifix position, which is his knees crossed over halfway up his back. Give him a little tickle, whispering sweet nothings in his ear. Yeah. Um, letting him know that it's all okay and it'll be over soon. And out come, <laughs> and out come this female this female police officer woke up. So she didn't bother, she didn't know where she was, so she just went straight for the OC spray and gave us all a big faceful. Oh, you got some as well? Oh, I got plenty of it. It was, nice. it was it's a very memorable experience. If you haven't been sprayed, I highly <laughs> that's recommend That's pepper it. spray, yeah? It yeah. is, it is. Yeah. And that stuff burns for hours. And you wipe it on your hands and your hands burn. You, and then you wipe it on your cheek, it just spreads. And uh, anyway, after I'm trying to maintain a grip on this guy and um, I've got a face full of OC spray and he's got a face full of OC spray and there's police everywhere and these guys are going off, off tap. One police officer decided to draw a taser and tasered the guy that was on the ground that I was laying on top of. So inherently, I managed to get some of the charge. <laughs> You were rap dancing with the guy that got tased. I got off him so quickly it wasn't <laughs> funny. And um, there was no more whispering, sweet. Nothing. No, no, no. It's and, all yours, champion. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm, I'm still twitching and trying to get the OC spray off my face, and I went and went and picked up her badge, her radio, her hat, and all the st- and name ba- stuff had just gone flying everywhere. Picked it up and gave it to her. I said, "Thank you very much," and she said, "Oh, who are you?" And I said, oh, I'm the one that came and, oh, okay, no worries. We'll come and see you later. So I had to go and then give several thousand statements and more of my lovely morning in the police station trying to assist wow. them with their inquiry. But All I can think about right now is what was your hourly rate to go through that? <laughs> Not nearly <laughs> enough. Not nearly enough. <laughs> because that's a lot to deal with, isn't it, on a day? It, it is, day but job. you know what? I kind of miss the adrenaline rush. You do? I do. Oh, you've got a glint in your eye right now. Oh, he does. Yeah, He's just yeah, the, you yeah, can feel the energy right. in the room's just right. carotid's starting to pulse out the side of my neck. I can, <laughs> no, feel, yeah, it. Yeah. I can feel the surge. Just to balance that equation a little bit, should we talk about your kickboxing? Why not? The short-lived... Uh... <laughs> so I love to box. I've just started doing 12 Round, which is this new... Uh, well, it's been around for a little while, but it's like a functional fitness studio, but it's based around boxing. Yep. So every three minutes, the bell goes off, 
and then you move to the next next oh, thing. circuit so, training. Yeah, circuit training, but yep. there's 12 of them, right? Three-minute rounds. Three-minute three rounds, minute and you rounds. get a 30-second break, right? So I think the first three are on bags, and you get the speedball, you get that sort of stuff, and then you you might do rowing, you might do push-ups, all these different things on the way around. I love it. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying that. And I used to um, get so, trained to box, and I love the boxing side of things, but there's no way in the world, <laughs> tell you right now, I, I was going to do it once and never happened, Gonna get in that ring because then someone wants to punch you in the head. No, you're not made of glass. It's the most liberating experience. You re- you recognise, well, I don't know. Depends on your circumstances, yeah. um, but I would highly recommend it as an experience as a male in manhood in 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 taking that that rite of passage. Well, I nearly did it. I was in London and there was a corporate event thing, and I was signed up. I'm ready to go, and we're at the at the um, at the training sessions. And I was getting trained by this Golden Gloves boxer. I was loving it. And then we were having some sparring session that was body sparring, where you just hit each other on the body and stuff. And yeah, there's always that one bloke in the gym. Yeah, well, I was in with him, and he's got me right on the chin. We're doing body, so I've just instinctively gone smash, and I broke his nose, and. I felt so bad. I've then pulled out of this thing. I've just injured that kid that was in the corner. So not going to happen. So that's why I'm not back in the ring. Oh, no. I you need do to it. do it. You need to do it. Just once in you your life. You want to do it. We do it together. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe we should fight each other. Oh, there we go. The third gear. <laughs> catch weight belt. Uh, fight. <laughs> catch oh, weight belt. <laughs> Meet in the middle. So what uh, happened to you when you were in the ring? So I, um, I did Muay Thai on and off for probably about uh, two years. The Muay Thai is uh, the kickboxing. kickboxing. Yep. Um, it's not dissimilar to Western kickboxing. The style is slightly different. Some moves different. Western kickboxing is more the Jean-Claude Van Damme, pretty looking stuff. Yep. Um, Muay Thai is basically the brutal elbows, shins, knees. What's Chuck Norris do? God, God out there. Oh, but he's also a Taekwondo guy. Yeah, he, he is. is. Yeah, is yeah, he? Yeah. One of my favorite statements of all time. So, Chuck, how many push-ups can you do? And he goes, all of them. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) Nice. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we um I I used to do it out of a couple of home gyms, which is um that's an interesting experience too. And I was um up my look look, I need to give you the full story. We're just we're just gonna get lost halfway through. I had a neighbor move in and he was an older gentleman who used to live in Thailand for a little bit and in Australia for a little bit. So he'd come and earn foreign Aussie foreign dollar or Aussie dollars um doing computer programming. Uh, line up a few programming he was gigs. Taiwanese? No, no, he's, he's Aussie. Aussie. Yeah. And he'd go back to Thailand. He's got a team of programmers over there and then live like a king on this funding for uh, Aussie programming. Yeah. So, and look, don't blame him. He managed a team and he got to achieve the goals and great and he had the best life ever. Anyway, uh, he introduced me to one of his housemates whose father owned a, like this home gym up on Mount Tambourine for Thai boxing. Fantastic experience. So I'm there for a few weeks and, get talking to this new trainer he brought in, uh, an, an ex-Irish army guy who's literally 15 screws loose, like mad as a cut snake. And his mantra was, I'm the fittest fucker in the gym, that's why I'm the fucking boss. So, of course, anyone who wants to take me on, let's fucking do it, but otherwise what I say goes. No, fair enough, that's cool, man. He's you know, ripped me. <laughs> You're a nutbag, we're not going there. So um, I would get, we're talking and I said, mate, yeah, look, I, I was recently separated from my long-term girlfriend and... Um, uh, looking to get back into shape and I just started bouncing. I've been doing it for about six months and wanted to pick up the chicks and be the, the fit dude of the club and know what I was doing, you know. If things got out of hand, whip out some mad whip kicks and elbows <laughs> and all the illegal stuff. And um, anyway, so he says, oh, yeah, no worries. We'll come to my gym down in Orang. We've got it under my house and uh, we'll do some training and, and we'll go from there. So what started as two nights a week ended up five nights a week. 
And I said, oh, look, I really want to get in the ring. And I'm thinking six months' time, get conditioned, fit, and have a fight. He goes, no worries. So Monday rolls around. Oh, Greg, I got your fight. I spoke to a bloke over the weekend. I said, oh, mate, we, they planned that fight. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, when is it? He goes, oh, six weeks. I said, six weeks? He goes, yeah, six weeks. I said, well, I thought we were thinking about six months. <laughs> and he said, nah, don't worry about it, mate. You're fine. I said, I am so unfit. It's not even funny. Like, you can put my hand up under my belly and hold the fat. Like, that's that's the role I had on. And he said, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll work it off. So five and a half weeks come and we're two days out from weigh-in. So I had to go on a no no food fast to strip weight to make – I think I was fighting at 103 kilos or something like that. And I used to sit about 123 and I'd done well. I got down to about 115, 110, but man, it's hard to lose seven kilos in, in a few <laughs> days. I don't, I don't care what you do. And um, I thought about, uh, you know, possibly giving blood or taking pints and pints out just, just to make the weight. But um, anyway, we got to weigh in and I, I'd, I'd been sweating it out for three hours. I hadn't had anything to eat. I had a big night the night before that at a, at a cocktail party, rookie era. Anyway, we got to weigh in and I made it 103.1, which was just enough in the in the leeway. Well done. So we weighed in. I didn't see my opponent. I still didn't know who I was fighting at this stage. And, and the guys in the gym were joking, saying, oh, it's some Russian. And, you know, all Russians do mandatory military experience and he's going to kill you and it's going to be like... Oh, like Rocky. Yeah, exactly. Like, you've got to fight Dolph Lundgren in the exactly. ring. And anyway, if we he get... He dies, he dies. <laughs> we get there. And um, one of the boys that was with us from the gym at, at Narang... He's, um, he was Maori and he saw my opponent's name and, he, and it was um, a bloke called Michael Henare and he said, oh, it's not uh, Henare, that's Hanare, that's a Maori guy. I said, no, I'm fighting 103 kilo Maori, you'd be about to my build. No, this guy was a lean 103 kilos, about 6'4", eight pack abs, ripped muscles, <laughs> tattoos everywhere and I only saw him for about a minute before I had to go out on stage and I've gone, oh, awesome. So my trainer takes me out the back and uh, we went through a very, um, what I would call psychedelic experience of getting into, what are you going to do? And I said, fight. He goes, you're going to fucking kill him. What are you going to do? <laughs> this is the Irish place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you're going to kill him. So he gets the pads and we're hitting him. What are you going to do? Fucking kill him. And it build up this da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I don't know, I liken it to one of that, you know, a few moments in Apocalypse Now, you know, where it's all the vivid montages and colours and pounding music. Anyway, we get out on stage and I'm pounding my feet, screaming and the crowd's cheering and this bloke's already in the ring and he's Kiwi and I didn't even know and I'd bought the green boxing boxing kangaroo shorts. I've gone out in them so the crowd's, ooh, yeah. Go, Rosie. Yeah. Anyway, getting up there and we get up to the side of the ring we do the bow and the respectful thing. Anyway, I go to going through the ropes. My trainer says, no, no, Greg, girls go through the ropes, men go over the top rope. That's this. That's how you do it. So I'd never practiced this. So I'd fucking this is easy as. So the boys are holding down the rope for me on the side. So I've gone to fling myself over, jump, you know, like, you know, when you jump yeah, the yeah, fence, yeah, three legs yeah, to the side. So they thought I was clear, so they let it go. Oh. So I've caught my legs and gone face first into the mat inside the ring. Good start. And yeah, I was great. So in that, oh, in that brief moment of, um, of laying there, I thought there's two ways to handle this. I just get up and go to my corner. Or I get up and I, I own this. I own that I stacked it in. So I got up and put my fists in the air like I was the champ and then just won the <laughs> marathon. And everyone just cheered me on. Went to the corner. Everyone's pissed themselves laughing. They're like, we're so embarrassed. We can't believe we're associated with our gym. But you know what? Good on you. Get out there, brother. Go and knock his block off. So um, all I remember from that is going to the center of the ring, eyeballing this guy. And it's so much adrenaline going through your body. And um, 
we're sitting there exchanging and I'm not, and he's not, we wouldn't meet my eyes. So I was getting more angry. Anyway, the ref's saying, all right now boys, touch gloves and da-da, go back to your corners. Anyway, called us in and ding, the bell goes and you go to touch gloves. Now I reckon we touched and as soon as we touched, my right hand was cocked and bang, I got him in the face. I hadn't even pulled my left hand back yet. So it was a bit of a dirty, cheap shot. But um, the first 30 seconds I had him towed up in the corner and he claimed I'd kicked him in the groin. I don't even know how, because it was all just pub brawl at that stage. Bang, 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 exchange of punches and, and pushes. And um, we got separated. And I'm gassing at 30 seconds into this two minute round. Going, what have I got? What have I done? You're Conor McGregor. What have I done? <laughs> anyway, um, he, I got I got warned, uh, official warning. And I'm like, man, we all wear a cup anyway. Like, it, that's what it's for. Yeah. And um, we come back in and... And he basically spent the next two and a half rounds dusting me up. Oh, did he? Yeah. It was like the Homer Simpson fight, you know, where uh, he takes 50 punches, eventually the guy falls over from exhaustion. So, um, but it was really good. I would, I, I was a memorable experience. I got him, gave him plenty of good punches and uh, he got, he got to use me as a punching bag pretty much for the last round. And um, yeah, it was good. I, I'd do it again in a heartbeat if I was, fit, if I was fit enough. Yeah, that's the big thing, isn't it? Being fit enough, buddy. That's a bloody good story, isn't it? Getting in and rumbling. Mate, tell us, uh, I want to bring it back to you about fitness. Yeah. Right? We haven't got there today. We haven't gone. We usually you know, start oh, with it. Oh, we know. We've, uh, we've gone full circle today. What, 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 what's happened? Where you at? Uh, 10.2 down. 10.2. In how much. many weeks? I think we're at week 10 now. That's a, yeah, kilo, kilo a week. week. That's yeah, what no, the plan no, was. Beautiful. Yeah. So i got 35 to go. 35 weeks to go. 35, that's, whew. So, in 35 weeks' time, I'll be uh, I'll be slim. You'll be 80 kilo. Yeah, I don't think so. That's never going to happen. Mate, as long as I get below 100, I don't care. You'll be able to take your four kilo claim riding the horse on Saturday, mate. Exactly. That's a great idea. Put an A next to it. <laughs> an apprentice. If you get down to 80, I'll come up to 77. And we're, we're there. We're, we're in the, the ring. ring. There's the bag. There's the bag. <laughs> we're ready to go. Ready to rumble. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, no, doing really good, mate. I had a um, I had a week off the exercise. Oh yeah, and um, after the after the initial challenge, and I went to the shops on the weekend. I bought shorts two sizes smaller, bought like shirts two sizes smaller. You can tell in your face, mate. You're looking. Okay, yeah, I'm feeling really good. Yeah, life is. I good. think the big fella here is about to go on his own journey. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yes. yes. I, um, I, He's about to have another kid. <laughs> That's a journey in itself. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, to rations now, so that we can afford to have the second trial. <laughs> so, uh, bread and water for the first six months. I'll be I'll be lean and mean. He's just going to eat what the baby eats. <laughs> uh, well, do you know what? That's a funny <laughs> applesauce. Sto- well, that's a funny story. I, when my wife first got pregnant with with my daughter, who's in the room with us today, and. Uh, and it was really interesting because we felt really bad because she wanted to eat all this food. So we decided, man, one of her mates, we're going to eat with you, love. So everything she ate, we ate, and we end up like the size of a house, both of us. <laughs> but the problem is she had the baby and all the weight went where yeah. we're sitting there going, oh, yeah, well, that's not going to happen to us. So, yeah, don't do that. Not a, no, that's a good, I, I, good I, lesson I, in life. Yeah, I, I've learned that lesson last time around. <laughs> don't don't eat the snacks that are in the cupboard for the wife. Yes, exactly. Because other than her beating you up, yeah. then uh, you'll feel like you're back in the ring again. Yeah. Then you're also um, going to put on the it's beef. It's like not hanging a tea towel straight, mate. I learned that lesson early on. <laughs> but I'd highly recommend from a food point of view, mate, intermittent fasting. Okay. It's, uh, and I've, I've been learning that when we're sort of finding myself and my inner self and stuff and intermittent fasting. So I don't eat between 8 p.m. and 12 the next day and I eat whatever I want between 12 and 8. So what I do is I have a, a feast at, from after 12 and a feast about 6.30 at night and that's all I eat all day. And I'm a fan of food. Like I love my food. So I'll go and have a pizza or I'll go and have a nice lunch or do whatever. Um, but at the same time, I've lost doing that. I've lost um, over 10 kilos. Well done. That sounds like a, I read a book called The Warrior Diet by a bloke called um, Omi uh, Kefler or something like that. 
his ex Mossad. Yep. And he uh, is similar thing. He's, he goes back to the hunter gatherer days. That's what it's all about. Where um, you don't eat all day, and they all feast and have a massive banquet at night, eat as much as you can till you say it and you fall asleep. Yep. Then, then just limit your intake to the next day. Well, you need know, it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and it's it's not unlike the meditation or the third beer concept. We we have that idea that the third beer is the sweetest beer, and and meditation you hit that sweet spot, that stillness. But actually, fasting, uh, Brett, you can probably add to this is. Not eating that meal, you get a certain high, don't you? you oh, yeah. You get a certain clarity. Well, you were trying to teach me this at the start. Yeah. He's sitting there going, just get 75% hungry. Full. Full, sorry. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sitting there going, what do you mean? Like, I like to eat. Like, I'm going to fill myself up. I win. And um, I never understood it. But when I started the fasting bit, oh, man, it's awesome. i got so much energy. Like, it's all train every morning. I'll then just have a keto water, like water with keto, keto stuff in it. Um, and then I won't eat till lunchtime and I get a little bit tired for about 10 minutes. And then from there, I've just got this adrenaline rush. And just, I think that's the, your body doing what your body's supposed to do, which is burn all the shit. Mm. Burn through it. I, and I love it. I, and again, that's what you do in meditation retreats is you, you, you limit your food intake so that you achieve a certain clarity because the heaviness of food, especially meat really kind of weighs you down. And once you've kind of had the fasting, you kind of get through your digestive tract and get through your, your process so you can achieve that kind of higher level consciousness. On that note, and I can say it here because this won't be released for a couple of weeks and my wife won't hear, but next weekend's our wedding anniversary, mm. right? So we're actually going to go to Gaia, which is Olivia Newton-John's yeah. retreat. Yes. Now, I've been there once before. You don't order the food, you do the meditation, you do the yoga and all that sort of stuff over a three-day period. And they just feed you what you should be fed. So you sit there and they just bring your food or whatever. But there's meditation in there. So I'm going to take her on a meditation retreat for our. That's me. Look at you, hey, brother. Hey, look hey, you're that. growing as a human being. Namaste. Yeah. Exactly. Namaste. As opposed to namaste my ass in bed while you go to the gym. <laughs> We're going to go and do that. So uh, what have you big blokes uh, learnt about, you know, uh, learning to go in? That's that's what today was about. I mean, I think... What do you uh, mean by learning to go in? Ah, well, I think... Please we, explain. We live our lives externally, you know, about how other people see us and, and we're trying to be and be perceived in a certain way and do certain things. And then we have a child and that kind of opens up our heart a little bit and then we get back on track and then we might have these moments along the way when we're doing karate or kickboxing where we find, find the centre but we lose it again. I'm curious to know whether or not you guys feel like you've got the centre on tap now, that any time, any day, under any conditions, you can kind of find it. I'll open that question to both of you. You first. Oh. Guests first. Each before beauty. Um, right. Well, uh, look, I think to a degree, yes. I think um, it's nice to know it's there. It's nice to know it's accessible. But I think it takes that you need the right set of circumstances to trigger it. Wow. Hey, there's a trigger. And I think that is triggered by high stress, bringing yourself back down. Because I think if I am just mediocre and I'm just hopping along and, you know, we're a little bit stressed or a little bit intense or things are a little bit busy, I don't feel that full. I know it's a bit like a high. Like, you know, you get into it and it's like the muscles relax. I can feel it now. The hair, my spidey sense tingles on the back of my neck. and um, You've got to have... That to get there, do you? I think I think you got to. It's like you know, got to have got to have the rain to see the sun. Wow, I mean that's a kind of a boom bust reality, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, so I, mean, I used to be like that. Yes, okay. But now I just quite enjoy doing it, living it. 
I suppose, is, is probably another way to put it. So, like, golf, really good example. I'm a really shit golfer, right? But at the same time, I quite enjoy just the time chatting to the boys, taking the piss out of each other. What I really enjoy now is the fact I can stand over a golf ball, close my eyes, go into myself, swing it, and then go back to taking the piss out of the boys. Where do you play golf at? I mean, to ask. Lots of different places around yeah, the right. Goldie, yeah. Okay. But, but the thing I, I, um, I like about that is the fact that I can snap in and snap out. And that's something that I've I, um, I've been taught, but I've also taught myself is what we I think we used to call it instant meditation or something along those lines where you can you can do that. And I actually I quite enjoy the fact that at any time I know I can just go no stop breathe go into that. Do you have a trigger to go to that place? Like really, huh? uh, I, I probably do that I don't realise. I, I would expect. Yeah, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's just like. Um, I'll go if something that would have used to have triggered me to a point where I'll just keep going or whatever. But um, other than that, it's just, yeah, no, it's something I quite enjoy. See, I, I find, and I, I, I agree with your trigger, but anytime I feel uh, an adrenaline rush, anytime, doesn't matter how small, I'm curious about what's going on inside my body instantly. Like, wow, what? I'm uptight. Someone's just cut me off or someone's annoyed me or, you know, something hasn't gone right at work. But that to me becomes an interesting experience. I think we've got to, you know, tune into the subtlety of our own being. Do you know what I mean? If we're waiting for those big call cards, then we might be only doing it every six months, every 12 months. And which is harder because then we haven't done the groundwork. It's like, uh, it's like bench pressing. You can't, uh, you can't just get under 120 kilos and think you got to do it. You've got to, got to do the work. Got to breathe and push really hard. And not, yeah, <laughs> try not to bust something. So, boys, let me reiterate. I won't read the whole thing because it went for an hour and a half. Yeah, it did. Okay. Do we feel like we've been punked up on the Brewdog Punk IPA, the postmodern classic, the light uh, golden classic subverted with New World hops? Okay. What's your What's your thing? What we do here is we always we we rate this out of ten. Yeah, and then we also picture in our head where you'd be while you'd enjoy that drink. Like for me, when I first read this, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be in a nightclub and there's going to be nah, 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 on the, the thing, I'm banging my head. But it didn't do that for me. It was quite the opposite, actually. Mate, mate I'm feeling great. I actually loved the taste and it went down really easy. And even, even the small can, it made my made me feel like I had big hands. I stopped showing off over this. <laughs> Can't actually see the can in his hand. Uh, but I tell you what, the image for me is I, I've just done a, I've just done five rounds of kickboxing in a Muay Thai club. I'm sweating like a dog. I've got a cold breeze on my back. I'm in some guy's shed that's kind of dodgy, kind of a crazy Irishman, but I love him anyway. <laughs> He's pulled out a couple of beers. I'm feeling exhausted. I really don't want to do anything. I, I almost feel a little bit sick in my head, but he's giving me a beer and I'm feeling like I'm ready to go out with the boys. I feel like I'm ready to have a good time. So nice. it was actually, a, it's a beautiful little drop. What do you give it a 10? I start to think I score too easy, but... I, I love that today. I'd give that an eight. Would you? Wow. The taste. What Went about yourself? Look, I'm actually going to go the polar. I think um, harken yourselves back to the first triple X in the opening scene in the Arctic nightclub. It's frozen outside. It's cool weather. This is definitely a cool weather beer. I think um, you're sitting inside and the music's going and there's a, there's, a, there's a citrus and I think it comes from the grapefruit. Might even be a bit of lychee in there. It's sort of just there's a spike. It can feel like a bit of battery acid on the tongue, and uh, battery a acid. Bit of bat, a bit of battery acid. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's the name of the beer. <laughs> battery acid. <laughs> boom, boom, boom! With the battery acid on the tongue. 
Mate, I love it. I, re- you I re- love it. I'm going to go eight and a half. Eight and a half. That's oh, it's, it's getting me. It's getting me energized. Is there Red Bull or something like that? Amphetamines or something in this? I think it's just the five point six percent alcohol, maybe in such small tin. But it's a product of Scotland. It's a bit of train spotting on the tongue. There you go. Train spotting <laughs> on the tongue. Well, I'm not a big IPA fan to tell you the truth. Oh well, yeah. you're and a very critical man. Yep. I'm a very critical man. It has to be without doubt the worst beer I've ever tasted Holy in my life. Oh dear, that. That lychee or whatever it was at the start just didn't. I think I drank it so quick because it was that horrible. That's my personal opinion. I'm going to give it a one out of ten. Oh, but the vision I have is the fact of you know when you see punks dance and they're doing the headbanging and stuff and they got their drink and they're throwing it up and it's all going over everyone because they don't want to drink it. Oh, Bang! Oh. Like, like a Queenslander with a throwing a forex. Exactly. A they throw they, beer they, at people. How who, stupid who are they? Would do that, mate. I want to say before we go today. What I've noticed about the podcast over time is the extraordinary stories, um, very kind of normal, to down-to-earth kind of people have. That's what I'm learning. I mean, I know this as a psychologist. I, I know I'm privileged, but when we get together and we have a beer and we share people's journeys, it's really interesting just how goddamn interesting everybody is. How deep they go. How much they open up. It's people, amazing. People are willing to share their souls. Thank you very much for coming in, brother. Greg, it's a pleasure to meet you, my friend. And, uh, mate, I'm sure there's lots more, and I'd, we'd love to talk to you again at some stage. And I'm looking forward to the comeback Mutai fight, you know. Uh, We're so, there. Yeah. We're going to buy a table front row. We're going to have a third beer table with all our guests around it at your next Mutai fight. Done. And Beautiful. just cue the Rocky montage. These are wrecking machines. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Cheers, champion. See you, brother. See you soon. See you around.